Welcome to the Writer and the Geek Show, episode number six. Today we are going to continue our journey from Earth to Moon. Um, we are going to discuss more in detail about the spacecraft and the rocket that was used to put astronauts into the moon. So, if you have not heard the first episode, just go and listen to it because this is kind of a continuation of uh, the same series. Uh, I hope you enjoy this. And before I start off. I want to extend my thanks to all those who supported us and uh, gave us good feedback on the podcast. Um, I would also like you to go and uh, like our Instagram and Twitter pages. Uh, it's at Writer and Geek, and our Facebook page at Facebook.com Writer and Geek. So please go and follow us there, uh, so you'll be notified of new episodes. And I hope you enjoy this one as well. So last time we stopped the episode by talking about Apollo One disaster. Moving on, you have anything to add on to it? Before we start with the episode, I just want to make one small correction. Um, we spoke about the first living animal to be spent sent to the space, Laika. Uh, I think I mentioned that you know it is still in an orbit around the Earth, but in fact, uh, five months after it was launched. The entire spacecraft, along with Laika, burnt up in the Earth's atmosphere. So, if any of our, any of our listeners have any plan to bring her down, that's not gonna happen. I hope no one is trying to bring her back. Yeah. So, moving on. Um, before we go into Apollo One tragedy and all the other uh, Apollo missions, uh, I think we should be talking about the spacecraft itself and and the Saturn V rocket that carried it to the moon <clears throat> don't you think so yeah i think so too we should get deep into the apollo program and how those machineries are, are made and uh, where these plans started from right and i believe uh, there were like three uh, proposed plans on how to put man on moon right yeah three proposed plans uh, basically the way the plans differed is by uh, you know the kind of rocket that was used and the metho- methodology that was used to put uh, a spacecraft uh, in a direction in the trajectory of moon um so first of these which was uh, the most simpler simplest of all um, was called direct ascent um, which is simple simply just having a big rocket putting the spacecraft on top of it uh, with human beings and just firing it off in the direction of the moon uh, landing it on the moon and then just coming back uh, this was more popular one initially because uh, von braun was suggesting this option and he was a very popular man in america because he w- he used to appear in televisions those days and tv was a new thing so anyone who comes on tv is naturally a popular person so yeah to know more more about it i think you should listen to the first episode we talk about him in in depth yeah um the second way was called the earth orbit rendezvous where a number of uh, smaller rockets which are smaller than saturn 5 are used to send parts of the spacecraft into earth orbit and the entire spacecraft is assembled uh, while it is in earth's orbit after assembling the spacecraft is sent on a trajectory to the moon this had its own disadvantages especially the part uh, where you need multiple launches to happen at once so this idea was ditched later Moving on to the third methodology which stuck and which was um, the one which NASA used to put the man to the moon uh, the third one was called lunar orbit rendezvous so this was 
a little bit complicated. Uh, basically, two separate crafts were launched on top of a rocket. Uh, they move. They fly to the moon as a single object docked with each other. Once they re- reach the moon orbit, the lunar lander part of the spacecraft, uh, which separates from the mothership, it goes down to the moon, uh, landing the human beings. Uh, once the mission is done, this lunar lander comes up to the mothership, and the mothership is the one that returns the astronauts back to the Earth. So, speaking about the third uh, plan. Uh it actually was able to uh, surpass the plan which was put on by von braun right yes it was uh, but with some dis- difficulty because the person who suggested this was john hubold uh, initially when he put forward his plan uh, it was beaten down by uh, von braun and others who were prominent in the rocket industry and spacecraft industry uh, they said this is not a feasible me- method of doing it but hubert was pretty much convinced that this is the only way that humans can go to the moon in fact he when people started rejecting him he directly wrote to nasa administrator as well is he supposed to do that no he could have actually lost his job over it but he but he was thinking more in terms of uh, human progress he wanted someone to go to the moon but surprisingly von braun came around and he accepted this theory towards uh, you know the early 1960s so that is when uh, the apollo program was when it was taking shape it was decided that uh, lunar orbit rendezvous would be the method that will be used for apollo programs so this really had a profound effect on the design of the entire apollo spacecraft um, which actually consists of three separate modules uh, the command and service module which were coupled together as one single spacecraft at least for most of the duration of the flight um, and the lunar module which was the module which lands on the surface of the moon and takes astronauts uh, from the command module to the moon surface so that was the entire uh, construction of the spacecraft now this entire spacecraft was carried on top of a saturn v rocket which was one of the biggest rockets ever built So uh the place where astronaut used to interact is uh, the command module the lunar module and the service module right so uh yeah let's uh, i think we should get into the saturn 5 point of view i i, I believe there are like three stages of uh, launching like three different stages uh, which is involved in the launching uh, launching process right Yeah Saturn V was a three stage rocket it was i think it was one of the biggest rockets rockets ever built at least up to that point of time there were three separate stages the first stage is always the largest stage because you have to lift the rocket off the surface of the earth and the gravity is the most powerful so the first stage of the rocket was called uh, S1C S1C was built by Boeing Boeing was the company which was manufacturing S1C. It weighed around when it was fully loaded around 2000 tons. 2000 by tons. Boeing no wonder. <laughs> yeah, 2000 tons. Uh it had a height of around 42 meters and a width of 10 meters. So this stage was mostly filled with propellant like um, it it used uh, refined kerosene as a rocket fuel and a liquid oxygen as oxidizer. So you're saying it's not uh, liquid hydrogen or something which they liquid used to hydrogen propel the was, first stage. Yeah, liquid hydrogen was used for second and third stage. First stage was uh, first stage used uh, something called RP1 which probably stands for rocket propellant one or refined petroleum one. It was basically a highly refined form of uh, kerosene. 
<laughs> that's that's wonderful i've never heard about it this is something yeah. new uh, so this stage uh, propelled the rocket to um, an altitude of around 61 kilometers um, and burned for around 150 seconds the I've also i've heard that uh, it uses up a lot of fuel right it it was the fuel usage usage was colossal it was it so it had five engines five f1 engines f1 not, not as in formula 1 it was called f1 engine okay. so these five engines uh, there was one middle engine and four engines around it the sec- center engine was fixed but the other four engines could be tilted to change the direction of the rocket it could be used as a thruster the four one uh, four yeah, uh, the, engines the f- could be used as thrusters yeah so as the rocket moves uh up into the sky they do a, a pitching maneuver where you know the rocket becomes parallel to the earth's surface so that was done using this it used to use a lot of fuel so each single second uh, each of these engines burn around approximately 3 tons of fuel and oxidizer mis- mixture each one of those five engines so totaling around 15 tons a second per second yep. oh so you can do the math two and a half minutes multiplied by uh 15 tons a second wow exactly. that's huge uh this stage was built in louisiana state state of united states um with some testing done in mississippi and alabama and it was sent to uh, florida where it was assembled with other stages so they had to transport the whole thing from louisiana to florida can you guess how it was done i'm sure not by road by road it will be really difficult because such a long thing on on a trailer you know it's it's impossible how did they do it so it was done using barges uh, there was some river and canal connection between florida and louisiana so these huge stages stages were put on barges on water and they were uh, transported uh, in between these places okay that's cool yeah so that is about s1c the first stage of uh, saturn 5 the second stage was called s2 it was built by north american aviation uh it was little less uh, you know it was little smaller than the first stage uh, where in the first stage weight weighed around 2000 tons this was around 480 tons a quarter of for the first stage oh, yeah almost so uh, it was 25 meter tall and the same diameter of 10 meters um this stage burned for approximately 360 to 367 seconds uh, which took the minutes. rocket to a very higher uh, uh, altitude um this was built in california yeah so how do you imagine this one was transported across uh, united states because i don't there is i don't think there is a water connection between california and florida don't tell me they went all around the uh, i i mean the west coast to the east coast yes they actually transported it down the coast of mexico through panama canal into uh, mississippi <laughs> yeah so that is too much think about the expenses they incurred that's why the entire space that. program was so costly right hmm. uh, and almost uh, so the s2 was transported again by using barges but across suez canal so it used to take a longer time to get these uh, into the uh, space center in florida so that is about s2 uh, the last stage the third stage was called s4b Uh, which was built by Douglas Douglas was another uh, aircraft manufacturing aircraft. company again built in california so so you can see one pattern over here right the three stages are being built by different um, airplane manufacturing companies uh, the same way 
during the second world war all the airplanes were built by car manufacturing companies i mean automobile manufacturing companies so it seems like there is a progression over there uh like the car manufacturing companies building airplanes then uh, for the space program uh, airplane manufacturing company building spacecrafts so what would be next right yeah it's it's like a very natural evolution uh, so the companies which are which are pioneers in development of automobiles they get into aircraft manufacturing and since they are already in air then they you know target the space so if tomorrow we conquer some other frontier of the universe then these people are gonna you know companies like spacex they are doing the same thing so that's a natural progression so coming back to the third stage uh, this was much smaller than the second stage as well weighed around 115 tons um 17.8 meters tall and around 6.6 meters of in diameter yeah um nasa decided to airlift uh, these stages so okay. for that they customized a b377pg uh, aircraft uh, they built a big Hull. extra uh, portion on the top of the plane so it looked like a whale and they called it pregnant guppy <laughs> so that was a customized plane and later uh, nasa decided to uh, build a general purpose aircraft just for that purpose they called it super guppy so that's how it was transported because the demand was more <clears throat> and most of the times the waterways are not really safe and right? also they didn't uh, it, it didn't weigh that much too right uh, compared to the first and the second stage yeah it was easy to carry much of course they were way. not uh, filled with fuel at that point of time so it was easier to transport so once all these stages are transported to mississippi uh, and the, you know alabama they were sent to the kennedy space center in florida where they were uh, assembled uh, one on the top of the other and the entire apollo spacecraft used to sit on top of these three stages if you look at the picture of a saturn 5 you'll see the command module on top yeah. there is a small structure on top of the uh, command module which is called uh, launch escape system yeah. so that is used in case of emergency suppose during lift off the saturn fly blows up in order to carry the crew to a safe distance um, this tower on top of command module pulls a command module along with it and goes flies off to a distance it's like an eject button in an aircraft yeah, yeah. Okay. so it it takes a it carries astronauts uh, to, to a safe distance, distance okay. if the in case the rocket explodes at some point so that that is basically the construction of uh, saturn 5 yeah one point i missed to mention is the first stage had five f1 engines uh, and the second stage had five j2 engines J2 engines were little uh, uh, you know uh, less, less powerful in, yeah less powerful than the F1 engines and the final stage had one single J, J2 engine yeah so final stage need not be as powerful because it was more for operating in the outer space right uh, once the spacecraft goes into orbit the S4B was the stage that was used to propel give the final propulsion from the earth to the moon so uh, during the voyage from earth to the moon s4b separates from the entire uh, uh, apollo spacecraft lunar module actually sits within the s4b so there are four uh, what happens during the journey is command module and service modules they are just one single uh, uh, they are coupled together 
So it turns around and docks with the lunar module and pulls it out of S4B. That's what's shown in Apollo 13, right? Where exactly. Kevin, uh, Kevin Bacon docks the lunar uh, yeah. module into the command So that module. is that proce- procedure is called lemmas extraction. See, uh, the thing is, whenever I used to uh, read the encyclopedia space part and all that, I used to come around this uh, Apollo uh, spacecraft and I used to think uh, the lunar module was uh, inside the service module. They stored it inside know, the <laughs> service it. module and later on, while on space they used to take it out and then go to the moon so yeah i think this is the right time to talk about what these different modules are so let's start from service module because we were mentioning that Hmm. service module was not a hollow thing where you carry the lunar module Uh, service module uh, contains most of the propellant for the spacecraft um, Fuel. uh, fuel and also oxygen and it also had a main engine which was used for uh, fire, you know firing to and from the moon okay so command module was attached on top of the service module so service module is cylindrical in shape hmm. command module was a like a cone command module was the crew's living quarters and uh, service module used to be the storage yeah storage kind for of. few things like oxygen and it ha- housed the fuel cells which used to produce oxygen mm. and water for the crew uh, these two space these two different co- modules were attached together um, there was a thick carbon fiber shield. shield in between them to protect the crew from all the you know contents of the com- uh, service module but there was an umbilical cord which carried electricity and other stuff from the com- uh, service module to the command module also the service module had several small small rockets uh, situated 90 degrees apart from each other that was used to turn the tilt the spacecraft into different directions using small jets of thrust, rocket, thrusters yeah. uh, to get the right exactly. trajectory thrusters. i think okay Oh, the one we see in Iron Man suit. <laughs> yeah, m- maybe a different cool version one. of that. <laughs> so, um, command module was like the pilot's uh, area. Like uh, everything Cockpit. everything was controlled through the command module. Okay. It had uh, the guidance system. It had everything else. So, service module was like uh, had everything that was required to carry the command module to the uh, moon and back. Now, the lunar module was completely separate spacecraft with a separate uh, oxygen supply, power supply and everything. It was it was designed to operate without being in contact with command module because when you go to the moon, this is the module that goes down and comes up. So, it should be self-sustaining. It should help, it should, uh, you know, um, allow the crew to... S- survive without it having it hold any, on its ho- yeah. own yeah. so it had its own power supply it had its own engines and everything so again the lunar module was called lem okay, lem, yeah, yeah. lem lunar excursion. excursion module so it was again built of uh, two separate uh, stages the first stage called ascent uh, descent stage uh, was a complete spacecraft with its legs and all that stuff. So the, um, it was not aer- aerodynamical at all, right? No, because if you look at it, it no looks more gravity. like an insect because yeah. it need not be aerodynamic because it operated in a atmosphereless uh, environment, right? Moon didn't have any atmosphere, and there was no much gravity also. Exactly. So once now let's go back to the uh, you know. Um, uh, part where we stopped where the command module extracts the lem from the sob stage so command module docks with the lem and it pulls out uh, lem from within the body of the sob 
S4b, the final third stage, uh, is then sent into a heliocentric orbit Mo- uh, during the early missions. During the later missions, they were sent crashing into the moon because they had set up some seismographic experiments and stuff like that. They want to learn the uh, effect of huge bodies impacting the moon. So S4b was normally sent into a heliocentric orbit. Uh, interesting thing happened during the Apollo 11 uh, uh moon mission is that the alien incident yeah they UFO? happen to see uh, another ufo outside of their window so it is assumed that this was one of the panels of s4b which somehow managed to you know travel beside the spacecraft we don't know what it is but still that is the speculation okay that's interesting who doesn't love a good uh, ufo Conspiracy, yes <laughs> yeah so once the lem is extracted from the S4B final stage. The entire spacecraft continues towards the moon, wherein the service module is pointed in the opposite direction. So the engine faces the direction of the motion of the spacecraft. So that when you near the moon, this engine is fired again so that the spacecraft goes into an orbit around the moon. It okay. has to slow down a lot. Otherwise so that it doesn't, doesn't crash into the no, moon? No, it, it's not about crashing. It's a, it, it is just going to uh, shoot past the moon. Because it's traveling okay, at a much yes, higher yes, velocity yes, yes, than yes. that is required to go into orbit. Then the command and service modules along with the dark lunar module orbit around approximately 111 kilometers above the moon surface. Uh, once they check all the systems and once they make sure that the lunar module is good enough to go, uh, two astronauts, they transfer themselves into the lunar module and then the lunar module you know, detaches from the command module and goes down um, and the astronauts do their This is the stuff. descent stage. Right? Yeah, the descent. So once it lands on the moon, uh, astronauts finish their stuff and once they want to come back, uh, only the ascent, the top part of the spacecraft comes back. It uses the descent stage as a platform, launch platform to stabilize the craft. Okay. And it comes back to the command module, The both the spacecraft again dock astronauts and moon rocks and whatever they have, they, it's all transferred to the command module. And the Ascent stage of the lunar module is then sent back. I think this this episode is little bit technical, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, but I think few of our so, listeners should be interested in. Uh, one thing, know. one thing you can get to know is that there's a lot of ditching happening in this uh, moon landing process. Oh, you know what? In <laughs> fact, the only portion of the spacecraft that's gonna come back to command Earth is the command module. module. Right. <laughs> it is that one small part. It's it's just around I think three meters tall. Uh, the command module compare that with the one over 110 meters tall uh, Saturn V so now you know why it was very expensive most of the stuff which goes cannot be recycled it's never gonna come back I am glad that SpaceX have uh, come up with uh, new technologies which can bring back the that is the exact reason SpaceX has designed recycling recyclable rockets because if you're thinking Mars Hmm. Imagine how expensive it would be to just build, uh, you know, uh, rockets which are not going to be used again. So he is making sure that we build rockets which can be used again and again so that brings down the cost a lot. It is feasible for transportation. It's just fuel you have to pay for, right? Mm. You just refuel the rocket, it's as good as new. Seriously, yeah, he he had talked about the same thing, like about Indian Mars mission, how cheap it was. So he was saying that uh, we we actually needed to be more cheaper. And uh, yeah, stuff like that so that uh, we can make space travel possible. Yeah, probably uh, we can talk about one interesting fact. Uh, When we uh, talk about the space mission, 
the spacecraft is launched from florida right yes and uh, the controller uh, control is in houston so yeah so it, it is something like this so kennedy space center controls a mission uh, right to the point when the lift off happens so once the lift off happens and the uh, the the rocket clears the tower the control goes back to houston so that's how that's how it is yeah so that's an interesting fact because i've seen a lot of people having a misconception that uh, both the takeoff and the controlling tower everything is at the same place so yeah even the movies give you that kind of a feel yes it's like they're sitting and watching how that's it's not happening. how it is i think the control centers are many thousands of miles apart because one is in the state of texas and the other is in the state of florida <laughs> so that is one thing uh, to note in fact in later space shuttle missions um, takeoff used to happen from florida uh, the same kennedy space center but landings used to happen in uh, houston or worst case if they are missing the landing in houston it used to happen in edwards uh, air force base in california then they had to transport it back to florida on top of a boeing uh, 747 or something okay now there's something that's not technical for you <laughs> so the, yeah so that's uh, that's about the luna module now these spacecraft command module where the crew uh, you know used to spend most of their time and the lunar module where they go used to go to the surface of the moons these were not very spacious spacecrafts these are very you know compared to the earlier gemini and mercury spacecraft yes they were more spacious but yeah for a 10 day 12 day mission yeah they used to travel more compared to the other spacecraft uh, in these ones right exactly Polo. it had to go up, uh, go, go further uh, spend more time in the outer space so basically a command module had three uh, seats the commander seats the mm-hmm. seat the command module pilot seat and the for the seat for the lunar module these were the same seats where the crew uh, slept when they fe- felt like sleeping um So there was not much luxury of having a bed and all that stuff, and even food was uh, processed and carried in Liquid pouches food, and stuff. Liquid food, right? Mostly. No, they used to have sausages and other okay. s- solid food, but um, not like putting food in a plate and all that. Since uh, command module was the only part of the spacecraft which came back to the Earth, uh, you know, um, with the astronauts, it also had parachutes uh, and, uh, very importantly, the heat shield. Okay. So. I don't know if many of us know about this any time a spacecraft goes to the space uh, and enters the uh, earth's atmosphere it almost heats up to something like 3000 degrees celsius this is because the sp- at that speed um there's friction. a great amount of friction that is generated between the atmospheric particles and the spacecraft so it needed a heat shield to protect the astronauts and the spacecraft from burning up um, mm. somewhere in the atmosphere So this uh, so once the mission is completed on the moon service module engine is fired to bring it back bring the entire spacecraft back to the earth service module is ditched in the space just before entering the atmosphere Okay so does it uh, fall back to the earth or it disintegrates or it, just It just uh, burns up in the atmosphere that's okay. that's what happens Okay so uh, yeah to get an idea about how important the heat shield is Uh, the issue with the heat sh- heat shield is what killed uh, Kalpana Chawla and the crew of Columbia in 2001. Yeah, a portion of the heat shield was uh, damaged uh, damaged during tra- takeoff. Uh, that is what actually burnt up the entire spacecraft. So 
that was today's show and I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, let us know by commenting on our website or giving us a feedback on our Twitter page or Facebook page or Instagram where you can find us at writerandgeek. Also, we are on iTunes and Stitchers. If you use any podcast app, you can just do a search for Writer and Geek and we'll be right there in your uh, phone as well. Thank you for all your love and we hope to see you soon. 